This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots. I'm James Seal and I'm joined today by Katie Balls and Fraser Nelson. Now, this morning, Katie is preparing for the release of the Prime Minister's workforce plan for the NHS. Zach Goldsmith resigned as a Foreign Office Minister. Tell us about this story. So, originally, when Zach Goldsmith resigned, he put out a statement um, ultimately criticising Rishi Sunak and his government over what he called climate apathy. He went into detail suggesting that uh, the Prime Minister was not committed in the way uh, predecessors, I think by that he means Boris Johnson, rather than necessarily Liz Truss were, and ultimately cited a few things such as the kept animals bill, which has been delayed to the point that I think there's just a general sense it's being dropped. There's some aspects are being brought through separately. And an abandoned pledge to spend uh, 11.6 billion of UK aid on climate and environment. So that has quickly been pounced on. And you're seeing some saying this is a sign that Rishi Sunak is not committed enough to the green agenda. If you remember when Rishi Sunak first became prime minister, he initially said he wasn't going to go to COP. Then he did go to COP. So that's starting to be a narrative in one area. However... <laughs> Ultimately, the timing, I think, is just quite obviously linked to the Privileges Committee report in the sense it's quite hard to get away from why else he'd be resigning at this point because it comes a day after he was accused of undermining a Commons investigation into Boris Johnson and Zach Goldsman was among 10 Tories the Privileges Committee said was part of a campaign to interfere with their inquiry. And we're now entering a stage where there seems to be what some are saying, a war of words. I think we can overuse that phrase. Effectively, Downing Street, uh, um, I suggest they asked Zach Goldsmith to apologise for, uh, as a minister, behaving in a way which was then criticised in the report um, from his position as a minister. And he was the only minister. Exactly. So they asked him to apologise in that sense. But yesterday, you also had the government saying they had full confidence in Zach Goldsmith. Now, Zach Goldsmith has since hit back, saying that he was asked to, um, I think, clarify apologise type comments but he was not going to be sacked and he's hearing people were saying he was going to be sacked I'm yet to see in the actual briefing that number 10 were going to sack him but what it all I think comes together to is probably just a resignation is never really a good thing for a prime minister there's obviously a bit of a sense of decay at the moment and it's number one is it going to bring down Rishi Sunak's government no and um, this is a Boris Johnson loyalist this is someone who was very close to both Boris Johnson and his wife Carrie um, in terms of the green agenda and therefore you, you get the sense that someone who is not completely on board with the new regime was unhappy about having to be asked to do something on privileges committee and decided now's the time to go and brought up other grievances they had I don't think it's that significant I think at the same time, though, we did see in the 2017 election how when Theresa May during that election campaign looked like she wasn't sufficiently committed to some environmental issues or animal rights issues, it did come back to haunt her. So it's one where you never quite know if it, if it starts to push some people away, if it becomes more about the environment. Before I come to you, Fraser, I just want to ask Katie quickly. You know, I think Zach Goldsmith is probably the last most prominent Johnsonite I can think of in the Sunak government. Do you think perhaps this has kind of been about sort of various things going off at the same time or is there some kind of degree of coordination or some kind of event that sparked this? I don't think this is part of a big campaign by Boris Johnson. I just think there is a sense, and if you think about the by-elections which are coming up on the 20th of July, that is a product of Boris Johnson and his key supporters ultimately 
sticking up their finger to Rishi Sunak, um, partly because of the privileges report and the circumstances Boris Johnson found himself in. But indeed, Doris didn't need to quit, and neither did Nigel Adams. Um, that was resignation honours. So there's definitely an unhappiness in team, among Team Johnson towards Rishi Sunak. I'm not sure if it's part of a coordinated strategy. I think it just more reflects that there's a part of the party that don't feel particularly loyal to Rishi Sunak. And at a point when lots of people are not feeling so motivated or giving up a bit, you, you start to get more things like this falling. Now, Fraser, do you think there is any merit in Zach Goldsmith's criticisms of Rishi Sunak? Remember, of course, Rishi Sunak was someone who campaigned for leave on the basis that, you know, he wanted to support British farmers and the people in his Richmond constituency. Zach Goldsmith, conversely, saw Brexit as very much more about sort of being able to strengthen animal welfare protections, etc. Do you think there is a sort of tension there within the kind of pro-Brexit coalition? Well, there certainly is tension, um, but I think it can be more explained by the way that politics has moved on from the Cameron days. Zach Goldsmith was absolutely marinated in Cameron-era conservatism. Uh, one of the things he mentions in his resignation letter is that he's just appalled that Britain isn't spending 0.7% of um, GDP on foreign aid. Now, Rishi Sunak took the view that people should be free to make their own overseas donations if they want to, and that the government should be content with basically spending 0.4% of GDP of other people's money on uh, on aid. That was, but that decision of Sunak's has massive popular consent. The 0.7 target was always um, David Cameron um, basically trying to um, be generous of other people's money. And it was, uh, I've always thought it a pledge which was just basically overlooks how generous the public are. And what a Conservative government ought to do, in my view, is to show restraint in how much of other people's money it takes and trust people to spend that money as they see fit, bearing in mind that Britain has got an incredible track record in philanthropic donations. It's not something you should try to nationalise. So that debate has been going on for quite some time. Now, so Sunak has moved away from Cameronism on international aid. He's also moved away from Cameronism on the sort of um, green agenda. Sunak favours a more slightly uh, lower key, less fewer Jeremiads, more of a bright green tech-based agenda than the dark green, we're all doomed, Greta Thunberg, Zach Goldsmith version of the environment. So Goldsmith again can see politics moving away from him in this um, way. And this is public opinion, not just Rishi Sunak. So I do think there are issues of substance. And I do think this is a fairly standard cry of a politician whose era um, came and gone. But the funny thing about Goldsmith, of course, is just how much, in my view, he kind of owes the Conservative Party. This is a party which, first of all, took him on as an MP, even though he pretty much wasn't a Conservative. He then resigned his seat in a hissy fit over Heathrow Airport. Um, He then lost the election when they had the by-election. The party then allowed him to stand again. And in 2019, when he lost his seat, the Tory party put him into the House of Lords. So pretty generous in the sponsorship of, of Zach Goldsmith over the years. But that marriage, it seems, has, has come to an end, as I always expected it would do, because he was particularly close to not so much Boris, but Carrie, the Prime Minister's wife. Those two were, were sort of political brothers-in-arms. I remember, James, your seminal piece on this, the Zach Pack, uh, Zach Goldsmith and his allies and their rule in government. Well, the Zach Pack has been shuffled. They are no longer in government. So what we're now seeing is those cards falling out of the political pack. Nice analogy there. And, of course, before Zach Goldsmith's resignation, Katie, the big story of the day was planning to be 
which is an NHS workforce fan. There's still time. It's 12pm. <laughs> Hopefully for number 10's grid, it'll dominate this afternoon. Tell us about this and is it going to work with the NHS's problems? Yes, yeah, so this is much uh, awaited plan. Um, don't know it's coming out shortly and then six months later we, we have it. And it's about future-proofing the NHS. The prediction being that without action, uh, you could have a shortage in terms of unfilled posts of 360,000 by 2037 um, so so how do you get around that and it's not just a government plan this is an NHS plan but of course the government has found the money for it and I think what's quite interesting um, aside from obviously uh, the measures which include doubling medical school places for student doctors to 15,000 a year these are the 2031 targets a 50% increase in GP training places for junior doctors and 24,000 more nurse and midwife student places a year which is close to double where we are now um, is the fact that this is a long-term plan the clue is in the name and therefore Rishi Sunak is saying one thing actually going to spend the most money on ahead of the next election, but it's not something that's going to have an immediate benefit. Um, and you saw that when he spoke on the Laura Kunzberg show on Sunday in that quite scrappy interview, because Rishi Sunak was almost trying to tee up this big announcement that in government is viewed as really significant. And then you have the interviewer coming back saying, well, what about waiting lists now ahead of the next election? And that clearly is one of the Prime Minister's five priorities, um, more on those five priorities from Fraser in a minute, I'm sure, and how they're doing. But this isn't about that. This is about, you know, in 10, 15 years time, is the NHS going to be in a better place because of this plan? And the question is, I think Rishi Sunak sees a virtue in uh, making decisions now for the long term, but there's not necessarily any electoral win from it. And it's where you're choosing to spend money. Fraser, this weekend marks halfway through the year. You've written your columns today in The Telegraph on the five pledges by Rishi Sunak. We've just been discussing the NHS waiting lists. How many of those five pledges is he going to hit and how many will he miss? Right now he's going to hit zero and miss five. Partly because inflation, which he doesn't control, has proved stickier than normal in Britain and pretty much the rest of the world. German figures came out um, this week showing that they're having the same problems. But nonetheless, he's not going to be 5.5% by the end of the year. It doesn't look like right now. Then on NHS, um, it looks as if the waiting lists are going to go up. They had been stagnating since October, but the doctor's strikes is pushing that trend in the wrong direction. When it comes to growth, we found out this week there's been 0.1% growth since the start of the year so that isn't really growth worthy of a name and then when it comes to national debt that was never really going to go down and the debt was 2.2 trillion when he became prime minister is heading to 2.8 trillion and the national debt I'll put this into perspective as will have gone up by about 1.8 million since we've been doing this podcast so perhaps we better bring it to a close cheery stuff thank you Katie thank you Fraser and thank you for listening to Coffee House Shots